On the DFL Before DNF podcast by Sun God Performance Eyewear, host of the Mid-Packer podcast, serial entrepreneur, but better than that, he's a 100-mile finisher. Have you ever been to Guantanamo Bay? Troy lived there for nine years, in Germany twice. His parents were Department of Defense school teachers, and he's seen fish 30 times. 30 times. But cooler than that, he got to finish a grindstone. How did he push through that late race urge to quit? Well, that's the subject of season one, and that's what Troy's here to tell us about today. So hang in there and welcome Troy. Welcome to the DFL Before DNF podcast. Uh, this is episode 11. And by now, if you've been following along, uh, let me give you the elevator version of what you might find a longer version of in the earlier episodes. And that is, I'm on my way back to the 100-mile distance. I have DNF'd seven out of eight attempts, and I'm not even bothered by it. I just love it so much. Uh, I'm going again, but I really want to get the finish. I've wanted to get the finish every time, uh, but I haven't. And this time, I'm going about it differently. A wise man has many counselors and uh, this time I'm talking to as many people as possible who've had some wins. Most everybody, even the elites that I've talked to, refreshingly, have had some DNFs under their belt. But there's also been times where they've pushed through some really gnarly uh, urges to quit. And I have not been able to do that most of the time. I've done it at like Speed Goat 50, 50K, which they joke is the shortest 100 miler in the country. Uh, that you know made it through that one, but... I'm ready to do it at the 100-mile distance, and so I'm gearing up for Zion. And so today, I've asked my friend Troy Meadows to join me. We met because Troy is the host of the Midpacker Pod, and he was kind enough to have me on. And so uh, as I've gotten to know him, I thought, looking into him as a runner, chatting, running with him on his podcast, I thought, okay, let's let's flip the script a little bit here. And I want to I want to ask Troy questions uh, about his running career, and you know, as he juggles life. Uh, home life, dad life, partner life, and, you know, extreme ambition on the trail. So Troy, first off, thank you. Thanks for making time. Yeah, no problem, man. Great to be here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we dig into running and uh, you clearly have a, have a long resume of running and, and efforts and races and, and wins. Uh, and by that, I mean, finishes in my world, a win is a finish. Yes, sir. <laughs> um, Tell us about, uh, tell me about you. Uh, I know you're in North Carolina now. Is that, is that where you went to high school? Is that where you grew up? No. So yeah. And this is funny because my, my quintessential question is like, you know, who, who is the guest, you know? And so it's like kind of getting turned yeah. on me. Um, yeah. My background yeah. is I, I, I actually never, I didn't grow up in the United States of America. My, my parents were uh, Defar oh. Department of Defense school teachers. So I grew up overseas for the first oh, 17 way. years of my life. Um, where? Uh, so yeah, we, when I was first born, I was born in the United States, um, spent two years in Bonn, Germany. Um, well, I mean, gosh, like I have a twin brother. We were born two months premature. I spent the first month of my life okay. in an incubator. Like it was anyway, like that's a whole nother story. But then, um, hmm. um, 
Yeah, my first diaper was a surgical mask. Like I was so tiny that no way. Yeah, they didn't even have a diaper size for us. So, and wh- where was that? What city? That was Florence, South Carolina. Like my mom was on her way oh, to fly to Germany because that's where she was going to be stationed in Bonn, Germany. Before then, okay. uh, this was like when it was the capital before the wall came down in 1980. And um, no she way. went into labor on 95 and just happened to be like they pulled into the hospital at Florence, and Florence happens to have at the time, like the premier prenatal care center in the Southeast, basically it was based in, in Florence, South Carolina. So, um, yeah, so I made it, I'm here. And, uh, uh, I spent two, (laughs) yeah, I spent two years in Bonn, Germany. Uh, we spent two years in Bonn, Germany as a family. And then we spent uh, a couple years at Clark air force base in the Philippines. Um, when we were, when I was five, we moved to Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, spent, Almost a decade living on this <laughs> tiny little base on this little island in the Caribbean, um, where it's a decade. Yeah, like you nine were in Guantanamo years. Guantanamo Bay for a decade. Yeah, so it's and it's like the cra- It's the coolest small Dude. town you've ever been to because it has everything you need. Um, it's it's forty eight square miles. Half of that's bay, surrounded by the largest active minefield in the world. Um, there's you you mm. you can go you can come in by boat and you can go out by plane, and that's basically you know that's it. And they have these ferries that go across to. The airport was on one side of of the base, and then you know the bays on the bays between the other. Most of the people live um, on the leeward on the leeward side. Then you would take you would take a, yeah. a ferry over to the to the westward westward side. Anyway, yeah, to get to the airport. But um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we had everything you would need. We had a McDonald's. Um, we had like uh, there's a school on on the base where my parents taught, and there's you know it's it's a lot of active wow. duty military and their families, uh, and it's 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 a community. It's the kind of community where um, you don't lock your doors at night. You feel very very safe. Everyone knows everybody. Mm. Uh, the base wide speed limit's like 35 miles an hour. I mean, it was honestly an amazing <laughs> place to grow up, you know. And my dad uh, right. at the time, my dad was like really into cycling and biking. Um, he did a couple triathlons, some swimming, but it really wasn't his thing. Um, he's been an athlete his entire life. And I remember being like nine and I would ride my bike. He would go for a run after work and I would ride my bike with him, you know? And that was kind of some mm. of my first like That's cool. adventures into, into endurance sports. And then me and a buddy, you know, we plant, we like created a mountain bike route out on base. And like, I was in America over the summertime, some parents were teachers they'd have off. And then he, they actually had the race and I, they, my, my buddy got to run, mm. ride the event. And like, it, so it was like endurance has been a big part of my life, but yeah. So we, nine years in wow. Guantanamo and then, um, we got evacuated during, uh, the Cuban Haitian, um, there was like a immigrant crisis, right? Where a bunch of people were, okay. were leaving these countries and they were looking for asylum in the United States and, and the U S government didn't have a place to put them. And, we're talking like 30, wow. 40,000 people like making boats and taking mm-hmm. to the water and just trying to like a mass exodus from these two countries. Um, and so they turned the base into a, a place to do due process for these individuals and figure out like what they were going to do with them. And and so they, mm-hmm. they evacuated all non-essential personnel off the base. We had like two days to pack okay. a bag and someone was put in charge of packing out like our neighborhood. And um, mm-hmm. we ended up in back in Germany and I spent five years, four, four or five years in Ramstein. You went from Guantanamo Bay back to Germany. Yeah, wow. back to Germany. And, and then we ended up in Ramstein Air Force Base. And that's where I did like my- I was going to ask about Ramstein. I didn't want to be too cliche, but of course- Yeah, I mean, it's the, you know, it's, the, it's the, the place. Band, the, the great band, yeah. uh, Duhast Mesh or whatever. Yeah, and, and that's also where the band's from. <laughs> it's crazy. And, uh, you know, Ramstein uh-huh. is, I mean, in that area, it's the largest, it's like 60 square, in 60 square miles, it's the largest- English speaking, American English speaking population outside of the continental United States, because there's, there's like 
eight or nine military bases within 60 square miles. And there's a lot of a, a lot of active duty and civilian uh, military uh, civilian contractors that work for the military living in that area. Okay. So that was my uh, that was like eighth, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grade. You know, it was like middle, basically middle school through high school. I spent living in Germany mm-hmm. and, um, and kind of experiencing Did you pick up culture. any German though? Do you speak any German or was it all English for you? So the, it's hard. Yeah. Like I tried and all of my German friends would be like, oh, you're English. And like speaking like this, <laughs> a little bit of a German accent, you know, like, oh, you're English. And yeah. they're like, yes. Yeah. I mean, oh, let's speak English. And then they're like, yeah, they wanted to practice. Yeah. English, because yeah. in Europe, like you learn three languages, you start learning three languages from the time you're like six, seven, yeah. like they, they, you teach and then you get to pick one when you're in high school. And like, so everyone that was in my generation and a little bit older, like everyone spoke really good English. Plus, you know, ever since World War II, these bases have been there. So there's mm-hmm. a whole population of Germans who grew up basically with, you know, Americans in in in, in their country yeah. and in these areas. And so they all pick up a lot of English. And it, what it turned into is like, they wanted to learn how to speak cool. That's what they would say. Like, oh, teach me how to speak cool. So we'd be teaching them. <laughs> we, we would be, my friends and I, Guess we're all teaching and, them like, yeah like slang and like how to sound because because yeah. they sit they, they they learn the queen's english as they would call it right they they learn oh, like yeah, english yeah. english they don't speak american you know so um yeah right. anyway it was just kind of and that was for me culturally like i love like i look back at my upbringing and i'm just like oh it allowed me to have a lot of empathy for people my my ability to communicate is like i think with individuals and, and with groups really comes from uh just being around multiple uh, cultures, uh, growing up and, yeah, man. and, and having that kind that. of experience. So, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in the process of, of, uh, you know, I, I've, I've spent several months, we've spent several months as a family in Europe and I've done several things in, uh, Paris related to, to entrepreneurship mm-hmm. in a program there, but ultimately we're trying to get back there next year for, to spend a full year. And we've got a 10 year old, a seven year old and a four year old, and uh, it's it's for what you just said. That's the exact reason we want to. In the moment, it feels like oh, that's, this is a lot to schlep some kids around and get over there. And but in the end, someday when they're you know in their forties, I want them to look back the way that you just did fondly yeah. and say, oh, because of that, I am a better person because I can talk to more people. People who are different than me, people who are older, people who are younger. I understand, you know, I, I'm more generous with people about their background. And if I don't understand something, I'm more curious rather than judgmental. Like yeah. all of those things are what we're wanting to give to ourselves and to our kids. So I love hearing you say that. Well, well let me connect. I'll connect you with two of my friends. They actually have spent the last two years living in, in the mountains of France. And they have two okay. almost teenage boys, like 10 and 11 or 11 and 12. Mm. And they, um, they've they've done exactly what you're trying to do uh and i'm happy to connect you yes, with please connect yeah me. i'm happy to connect you with my friends uh matt and marine and uh um yeah they they uh yeah they've got stories and they've got like there's just so many it. hurdles you don't even think about that you have to like deal right. with and they they've done it all yes. so I'm, ha- I'm happy to connect you too so well, i can't wait so so tell me then now you're we're kind of college age for you did you did you go off to college what, what did you do after uh that last stint in germany yeah. So my parents, my parents, since, since I could say it, you know, since I was like two years old, they'd be like, what happens in 16 years? And I'd be like, out I go, you know, like, they, and it wasn't like, it was, it was a joke. It was like tongue in cheek, but it was kind of like, you know, when you turn 18, you're going to, you graduate from high school, you're going to go off into the world and you're going to like do you, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, yeah. I went to a semester of college in the United States. Um, college didn't really work well for me. And I ended up back in Germany for a couple months, like 
working odd jobs on base while my while, while we tried to figure out what the next steps were going to be. And I ended up um, settling on this trade school called Full Sail in um, in Orlando. Oh yeah, and they they uh, okay. I went to school for film and video production. I had a uh, in high school, I was oh, like cool. in TV. I t- took TV class. They didn't even have like I was like inundated in with that teacher and like with um, that part of like the school curriculum that like they were creating by my senior year. They like mm. they didn't have a TV for class, but they made one for me. You know what I mean? And then I was like the teacher's aide for that for for first year students for that teacher. And so I was very much like into like that part that that type and part of, of like storytelling, um, and, cre- and like kind yeah. of content creation, I guess. And this is back in like the late nineties. So it was like all VHS and like deck to deck editing and, and, you know, like all this fun is like yeah. fun stuff, you know, and making music videos yeah. and like skate videos. I was really into rollerblading at the time. And, um, yeah. So then I ended up going to full sale, got a degree in film and video production, film and video production. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's a hard school. It's like, it's 13 months. It t- yes. I took a little longer than that. It's a very intensive school. Just to give an example, mm-hmm. it's a 24 hour run school. So you could have lectures from nine o'clock and it's four hour blocks. So you could have, you could have <laughs> lectures from like nine to one and then have to be back at, at school for a, a, a one to a one to four lab or mm-hmm. a one to five lab mm-hmm. at night. And then be back to class four hours later. And the whole idea is like, yeah, they're kind of prepping. I've you. heard it's just absurd. Yeah. And they're yeah. kind of trying to prep you for that, like lifestyle for that creative life. Yeah. Yep. Because like when you're on set, let's say I'm in a movie and you're on set, like, I mean, call, call could be like that. And if they don't get the shot, the, the day could go long and you have to be there the next morning and same with audio engineering mm. and same with show production. Um, yeah, you know, so they're trying to get you used to the roadie life basically, you know? Um, I mean, it ties, it ties nicely into, uh, the overnight hundred mile sure. uh, effort. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> so where are you, you know, you're in college, you wrap up at full sale. What's your, what's your path to ultras from there? Yeah. So I ran in high school. I did track and cross country, like ran the mile, ran cross country, um, like freshman, sophomore year. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I got into like, I, I graduated high school. I got out of running. Um, I started like, I got into the jam band scene and I basically would spend six months out of the year working odd jobs in Florida where I was, uh, where I had roots from, from living in Orlando for at, at full sale. And then I would spend Mm -hmm. six months out of the year traveling around the country, seeing shows, um, being like the most vagabond of vagabond, you know, like I've almost, I almost (laughs) got arrested in Chicago for dumpster diving. I've definitely eaten at soup kitchens. I've, spent weeks living in the national forest because that's where I could, I, you could stay there for 14 days at a time. Um, yep. I've crisscrossed the country like, a before I was 30, I had crisscrossed the country probably like 17 times from East coast to West coast. Dang. Um, and were you following fish around or like grateful dead? Were you, were you that type or were you just, did you have like a dozen, two dozen bands that you'd go see? So we would do, I would do like a lot of the festival scene. So you would kind of like, yeah. and this is back in the day, like, you know, you go to the library to jam, get on jam base and you'd print out like my, we, we had a folder. It had like every festival on jam base for the, for like three months, you know, we'd kind of pick and choose what we're on the route. <laughs> Definitely was on fish tour for a little bit. I've seen like 30 fish shows. Um, I got nice. into this band called sound Tribe, sound tribe sector nine for a while back before they were like really big, um, toured mm-hmm. with them. I've probably seen like 50 or 60 of their shows. Um, Whoa. I, I got into just like, 
enjoying i i did like i i went to a couple rainbow gatherings i got into just like living um kind of like living on the fringe for the most part like i tell people like in my mm-hmm. 20s i was like self-induced homeless you know like it, I, it was mm-hmm. a, but choice by, by choice you know and then yeah um i found the gym show outside of tucson arizona and okay um i actually first year we went to quartzite which is like goes on year round, but the month before the gym show in February, um, was living out in the wash, living in the desert. And then, uh, went to Tucson and then I got into making jewelry. So I would do like, so okay. like not silversmithing, but, um, like wire wrapping and like, we call it cold mm-hmm. fusion, um, did that okay. for a long time. Um, but ultimately like, I mean, I spent, I spent a better part of, I spent a better part of my twenties just being the, about as vagabond world, uh, trying to like continue that world traveling that I was doing when I was, when I was younger, um, and not really caring mm. about what the future looks like, you know, living that, yep. that I was, I guess I was living the YOLO lifestyle before it was like cool to live the YOLO <laughs> before lifestyle. Before it was a, right? a thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. So you're on, on, on these tours. Are you running? I mean, like what's the introduction? What's the introduction into ultra? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Thanks for bringing it back full circle. So I ended up in Asheville, um, North Carolina, which I'm actually kind of uh, full circle back there. Um, and I got into, I was always into like, I was a boy scout growing up. I was always into, you know, obviously like outdoors, living outdoors. Um, I got into, to ultralight, um, hiking and backpacking when we lived in Asheville. And so I would, you know, I would look at the map and like, I mean, if you guys have, if you've ever been like the Blue Ridge Parkway is right there, there's four wilderness areas, mm-hmm. like f- four different wilderness areas basically surrounding Asheville. And I would just like plan routes out on map and compass. And I would tell my, 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 my girlfriend at the time, but my wife now, and I would just look, I'd be like, I'm going in here. I'm going to be in this area. I'm coming out. You'll see me. I'll, I'll see you in four or five days. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, cool. This is, this is what's happening. Huh? I'm like, yeah, this is what's happening. And so, yeah. um, you know, I did that for a long time and I really enjoyed it. Uh, her and I decided to make a move out to California, um, spent mm-hmm. 15 years in California and, and ultimately like life, like what happened, what happened was life got in the way of spending exorbitant amounts of time in the backcountry for me. And so I ended up yeah. like, I, I was like training first. I, I kind of heard about obstacle racing and I was like, Oh, this sounds like fun. I want to do this. I kind of was trying to get back like into Spartan fitness. Stuff? Yeah. Spartan stuff. Yeah. And I used to smoke okay. cigarettes. Like I, I was definitely not like, I was always healthy, but I wasn't the healthiest person. Like I'd look healthy and I was yeah. fit, uh, ish, you know, always had a decent motor, yeah. a d- decent engine, even when I was smoking cigarettes. Um, yep. and I had some like traumatic stuff happen. My mom died, my dog died and I turned 30, like all in the same two week period. Hmm. And so, um, I started running like a week later, you know, and I found, I kind of started trying to get back into fitness and finding, finding fitness, um, was doing a lot of calisthenic work, a little bit of running, training for the Spartan race. Um, and then like classic, I read born to run and that was it. I like literally like looked at, I looked at Spartan races and I was like, not for me. And I'm going to go run ultras now. Right. And so then I just started training mm. to, to run my first ultra. So it kind of went from, it was kind of a natural progression from used to backpack, really like the wilderness, like the woods. Um, how can I experience that and do kind of more done in a day kind of situations or done in a, in a short weekend oh. kind of thing. Right. And then, um, yeah. I'm also That's like an, an interesting perspective to come from seeing ultras as a less time intensive not not so much training, but the actual act the of the act race of it, itself. Yeah. You're coming from disappearing for five days or you know fourteen days. You're saying, "Hey, the hundred mile, fifty k, you know, ultra world was a little bit 
uh, less of a, what would you say? Time constraint, time, uh, consuming thing. Yeah. 100%. And it was like, mm. and like, ultimately it's like vocation, life, like all these things start to like stack up against, um, you know, your ability to do some of these things, you know, like, uh, yeah. and so that's yeah. kind of, and I liked it. I, I kind of got into, you know, like I, I, to be honest, like I traded like a pretty hard nicotine addiction for a fitness addiction, yeah. you know, like I was just, yeah. I traded endorphins and, uh, I am, I love training. Like I'm at the point now where I just really, really, really enjoy that process. I enjoy the, you know, an hour, an hour a day on the week, plus like some strength stuff. Yep. And then, you know, trying to yep. go long on the weekends when I can and, and when time permits. And so it was kind of, yeah, for me, it was kind of a natural progression, uh, actually like maybe degression, you know, from, mm -hmm. you know, fr yep. from a time standpoint. Um, but it just came down to mm -hmm. like, as you get older, like you have to start thinking about the future, but you still like to play in the mountains. And so that's what, that's what I was yeah. trying to balance. So you read, you read born to run, you get, you start to get into it. What's the first race that you signed up for? Do you remember? Yeah, I ran way too cool. So we had moved, I was living in, that was your first race. Yeah. First race. So I lived in, That's awesome. um, I was living in the Sierra foothills at the time that I read born to run. And then we ended up okay. moving to Sonoma County. Um, mm -hmm. and then I fell into an ultra, I fell, that's kind of where I fell into an ultra running scene for the first time. Um, I'm not sure okay. how way too, I think way too cool was just like on the radar because it's one of those like quintessential first time ultras in California. Yeah. If you live in Northern California and you want to run your first ultra, like way too cool. 50 K is kind of the race to do. Um, I had been going down the, this is right when the San Francisco running company was, was incepted and, and, and started. Oh, and, and so I was going down there and amazing. like hanging out with all those guys and they definitely like yeah. did a good job of, of, you know, incepting the ultra continuing to feed the stoke and the fire of the ultra bug. And, you know, you walk into a shop yeah. where you have like, you know, legit fast people, known fast people, like helping you with your gear and your shoes. And then their, their group runs are, were, are legendary and were legendary and still are. And I was still never are, fast yeah. enough to hang with the front, but you know, it was like the community there is like super welcoming in the Bay area. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So I ran way too cool. And I, I actually ran a couple miles with this guy, um, excuse me, who was from Sonoma County. And he ended up introducing me to a bunch mm -hmm. of cats that ended up becoming like my training crew for, for like yeah. the next five years while I lived in ran and ran ultras. So it was kind of, it's kind of that classic, like run your first 50 K meet some people. And then, you know, yeah. I mean, these are the guys that taught me that it's all about vert and time on feet and just like all of the, the, cl the classic yeah. ultra stuff, you know, and yeah. Um, stuff that just continue. Like it, it's all of a sudden as a non elite runner or not very fast runner, you start to learn stuff like you're talking about and it opens this world up to you. Like, Oh, this world is for me. You know, I'm wearing a hat that says outdoors is for everyone. What I really think is, you know, ultras are for everyone. Like all of a sudden you open the door and realize, Oh, this is, this really is for almost everyone. 100%. Not just the elite yeah. fast runners. And so you get the, you, like when that light switch starts to come on, it's like, Oh, even me who, you know, in a hundred mile effort, I'm going to be worried about the, you know, the cutoff of at Wasatch of 36 hours. I mean, but it's for me. I love that. Yeah. And like, even prior to running my first ultra, like I was living, when I was living in Placerville, like I spectated at Western States the year Timmy Olsen broke, broke the course record, you know, like, and ran, was <laughs> the first awesome. guy to run under 15 hours. Like I was there, like I, I, yeah. I was, I was like showing up to watch that race happen for like two or three years while I lived up there before I ever ran mm -hmm. ultras. Cause I was still trying to build myself up to like, 
you know, to into that shape, you know, I started running like five K's yep. again, you know? So it was, I wasn't racing five mm-hmm. K's, that's why I'd go run, you know, and I was trying to like build up my fitness. Yep. yep. And like, if, yeah. when you get, man, Josh, that's like drinking from the freaking fire hose, man. Like when you want to run ultras yeah. and you go to watch Western yeah. States and you're just like, Oh, yep. Okay. Sweet. This is it. Yep. Like, this is what's going on. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if your first ultra is way too cool, you're, you know, within proximity, to the West, you know, Western States finish line, the high school. Like if you're in Placerville, you're, you drive past the high school, probably like on any given day, you're in the, the, the company and the presence of, you know, of greatness. It's hard to not get sucked in, especially Mm -hmm. when you have those aha moments of this sport is for me too. So what was your first hundred mile attempt? Where, where was that at? So like fast forward, like eight years and, uh, seven, eight years. And it was grindstone 2020, not this year, but last year. So 2022 and it would have been nice. um, Yeah. So it was the last year before the UTMB acquisition. So it was like the same old, it was like the old school feel. Uh, And I had wanted Mm -hmm. to run a hundred for like the last four or five years. And like something would get in the way. Like the first year I was, I was working I was walking across a tarp and I, there was a cinder block underneath the tarp and I just smacked, Mm -hmm. I I kicked the crap out of the cinder block about as hard as you possibly could and had the most ridiculous bruise on my big toe. And I thought it was broken and it was like three weeks before I was going to sign up for Rio de Largo. And this is back when I think usually Mm -hmm. you can still kind of walk up at Rio, but this is back when like it, it didn't sell out, you know? So it was one of those things where I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll just be a last minute, you know, I'll just sign up last minute. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'm not running that hundred miler. The next year I got it. I had my first in, my first of three in green hernias that happened almost in succession year after year with a year wow. break. So within, I had three hernias in five years, had to have them repaired. They just got in the way of running hundreds, you know, because I could, I could, I could, you know, you take a little, <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. You take a little bit of a break. You got to take like three months off then you got to build back up and you know, they're, you, yeah. you know, the doctor's like, you know, you can still run ultras after six months, but you can't race and you should take it easy. And so, you know, like long story long, you know, we'll r- wrap it back around to grindstone. You know, I, I was training, yeah. I was training hard. I was going to run. I am tough. Um, and then I made okay. the, the wife and I nice. made the decision after having our first kid kind of on a whim. Uh, we, we moved from California back to the East coast. And so okay. I've been hunting, you know, Western States qualifier and I wanted to start qualifying for hard rock. And I was looking yeah. on the calendar and I'm just like, what can get me both? Cause that I am tough was going to be both <laughs> of those things, you know? And, right. and then what's on the East coast. And I just happened to, I mean, I'd heard of the grindstone, um, the race itself. I didn't really know a lot about it, but it, that came on the radar and I was like, okay, cool. This is, this is, this is going to be it. So, um, in the middle of my training block, I drove uh, a U-Haul with a trailer and our Prius on the back of the trailer across the country. My my wife and child like drove. Uh, he was three months old, so they took a red eye. And, uh, my yeah. my dad and, and stepmom picked them up, and and yeah. So I'm like driving across the country. Like I remember we left California, and uh, I was like, I've got x amount of hours to get to flagstaff and get to flag i get a hotel and then i can go run flag in the morning you know before i hit the road again you know so i was like trying to plan like stops <laughs> as i took six days to drive across the country of like yeah where am i going to put the miles in you know so yeah um yeah so how did your how did grindstone go it went you know it was uh i thought i was in i i i i, I put in a pretty good i put in a pretty good block and i thought i was in like 
27, 28 hour fitness, you know, just based on, and I don't know why I thought this, but I was like, based on, you know, how I feel and, and what I've done previously in the past at like 50 miles and hundred Ks, I feel like I could do this. Um, it was good. Everything was going really well until it wasn't honestly. And around the 50 mile mark, like the week before the race, I was playing with my cousin. We were playing hide and seek at my brother's house in Asheville. And I remember trying to slide underneath the dining room table to hide from this girl while she was counting to 10. And I felt this pop in the top of my foot and I was like, Oh, that's not good. But I didn't think too much about it. And it kind of went away. It was painful for like six hours. Um, and that was like a week before the race. And then at like mile 53 or 54 at the turnaround, the top of my foot starts hurting and I'm like, okay, this is okay. Cool. Awesome. Let me, I'd loosen my shoes and I was wearing a pair of shoes that didn't have a lot of padding on the tongue at the top. It was like one of those is like ties a pair of ultra, um, Mont Blancs. And, um, yep. you know, it's like, okay, well, I'll see my dad. My dad was crewing me. I'll see my dad at mile 60, 60 something. So I got a couple miles. Yeah. And then there's a huge descent between then and there. And so going down this descent, it was like super painful to go downhill. And I'm like, oh, this is mm. going to get interesting. Um, and we get down to the aid station and I take my shoe off and there's like this just nice lump on the top of my foot where one of my tendons <laughs> was just like not happy with me. Um, and I just started doing triage. So I started taping it up and, um, but I was like, Oh, I'll pull out my second pair of shoes. And of course, like it's the same type of shoe. It's just a newer pair of the shoe. So that's not going to solve the, like no cushion on the top of the shoe problem. Um, and right. I just kind of set off, man, I had to reevaluate goals. Um, and, uh, it, it was slow going at first and, it, and, you know, I kind of got used to it, to the pain and, and I think it kind of settled itself down and I was able to just kind of, um, some running, some marching and, and kind of make it to the finish. It took like, so you got the finish yeah, almost 34 hours. Yeah. It was like two hours from, nice. it was like two and a half hours from the cutoff. So, well, I mean, yeah. The, and so this transitions nicely. I know you've got other hundred mile experience and, uh, you know, ups and downs in those, but even, even that, like, talk to me about how you push through that. Like, what did you have inside you, inside your head that once you saw that, cause you would have had the excuse, you could have taken a photo of it, posted on Instagram and say, I DNF'd and check this out. You know, you had the, you had the excuse, whatever, yeah. you know, how did you keep going? Uh, well, I mean, at that point, and like, honestly, for the last like two years, my like vocational life has been like, I don't want to say tumultuous, but you know, I was like, move, I just moved my, 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 my family across the country. Um, <laughs> right. I was putting in like, you know, at that time we were staying at my dad's while we were trying to figure out where we were going to live. Um, and, and like waiting to kind of get a place, um, in Asheville. And like, I was driving like an hour and a half, getting up early in the morning and driving like an hour and a half to the closest place where I could, I, I could smash vert for, for a couple back-to-back long runs over weekends. Like I was putting in a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and yeah. ultimately, you know, I, I just, I didn't want to stop. And like that's, I don't know if it's because I'm like stubborn or, you know, and I got, I'm like, I've been a serial entrepreneur my whole life. So there's this whole, like, yeah, there's this whole, like, do you know, there's barriers and there's glass ceilings and in, in everything. And it's all about like, how do you just kind of keep moving and grinding through it? Um, yeah. to be honest, like stopping, it, it would have had to have been really, really painful for me to stop. Like there was in, in that mm-hmm. moment, it was like, it's, I'm, I can still finish it. I've like, I've got enough time where I could walk. I could literally walk. I could probably walk this thing in 
you know, like I, mm. I could, mm-hmm. I could suffer through this. It's not, I mean, it's painful, but it's not that painful. I can still run on it. Um, you know, I kind of, as I triage like the situation, it was like, this isn't as bad as it could be. Um, and it can yeah. always get better. I think that's something that I tell myself a lot in these like hard situations, you know, and it did like, yeah. um, it, it still hurt, but it didn't hurt as bad. And, and there wasn't, it really hurt going downhill and most of there was only like one more huge descent. There was a lot of climbing ahead of us, but there was just one more really, really big disgusting descent that I had to deal with. Um, and like, yeah, I just kind of, I don't know, like I'll be honest with you, Josh, like stopping wasn't, wasn't a part of it. Mm -hmm. And then I had a, we had, I had ran into a group. There's three of us. One of them stopped. He had a similar issue where like the top, his feet were like, I've, my feet did not look nearly as bad as his feet did. And he had to pull the plug. Uh, <laughs> he had to pull yeah. the plug at that same aid station where I started triaging my, my, my injury. And then there was another one of his friends and we basically finished. I mean, we ran the last 50 miles of the route together. You know, we, mm, we oh, all nice. but held hands at the finish, you know, like we finished, we crossed the mat <laughs> together. We didn't hold hands, but we like, we told each other like, Love Hey, it. let's, let's cross the, let's cross the mat together. Let's do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it just kind of was one of those, like, I had someone to help push me. He was willing to, like, he, we were kind of in the same pl- place as far as, like, the, the pace we wanted to do it, you know? And so we, mm-hmm. you know, I guess misery loves company. And so we just kind of, yeah. uh, kind of worked through it together. So, what was your finish? And you, you kind of said this, but maybe I'm, I'm reflecting back to what I'm hearing and you let me know if I'm on, if I'm, if I've got it. Your finish of that, your determination to finish was, connected to everything that you had been through in your life over the last couple of years prior to, is that, is that, is that an accurate representation? Like when you thought about, I'm going to keep going because I've done this or I put my family through this or or not put my family through, but we've, we've been through a lot together. And and in some ways this finish is connected to that. Do you agree with that at all? Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Well, no, I mean, 100%. And that's something that, um, you know, when it gets, when it gets really dark and it does, it always does. I haven't ran, yeah. I've ran, th- I finished 300s at this point and like, it's, ne- nice. I've never been, I've never managed to have like a perfect, like when I say perfect, like, you know, where there's only like a two hour low, low, you know, like where it gets hard and, 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 and low and, and, and you're just like hating life for like an hour, maybe two. Like yeah. there's always been these like just ridiculous extended time periods of, of sucking, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, and like, I like, it's not like I like it, but I know that it's coming and I know that yeah. that's, I like, I, I, I wouldn't run a hundred miler if I didn't want to go there. Like if, if I don't have to go yes. there, that's great. You know what I mean? But like, I'm doing it <laughs> yeah. because I'm doing it. Cause deep down inside, like that ability to suffer in a controlled environment is something that like I, I kind of yearn for at this point in my life. And I, maybe that changes mm. and like it's, it's changed for me this year because I'm not going to run a hundred miler this year because it takes a lot out of me and my family to do it. And I've just got yeah. other things that I need to prioritize for like 2024. I'm still running some ultras, yeah. you know, but you know, to right. go back to your question, like, yeah, man, like I think about my mom, you know, I think about the yep. sacrifice my family, my family puts, you know, on the table for me to do it. Um, I think about my dad who's been out there crewing me for a hundred miler and grindstone is crazy because like you start at 6 PM. So when I finished, I finished on oh. Friday, you start at 6 PM on Friday. I finished at almost four o'clock yeah. in the morning on Sunday and <laughs> I didn't sleep 
And I know he slept for like an yeah. hour. And this guy's like at every crew spot there waiting, you know, nice. waiting with bells on for me. So there's like, there's a, yeah. I mean, it, it helps to motivate you. But at the end of the day, I was like, this is a goal that I've set for myself. And unless like, yeah. you know, I don't want to say like, I don't want it to be try, trite, but like if there's bones sticking out, then we can stop. You know what I mean? If like, if I feel like yeah. I'm going to do irreparable damage to myself, we can stop. It didn't necessarily feel that way. Sure. And I was kind of in a little bit of a, of a push through kind of ment- mentality with it. Um, but I was just lucky mm-hmm. that it, that it mellowed itself out, you know, like if it would have gotten any, yeah. wor- if it would have gotten any worse than what I felt on that downhill, if that would have came yeah. back, it would it may have been pretty difficult not to pull the plug, say like mile 80 when I saw my dad again, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, last question, I, just because I'm curious uh, on, on multiple levels and I just frankly love learning about your upbringing in Germany and Guantanamo, uh, in your ultra career and your ultra efforts, is there anything that you, I mean, we all bring our past with us to every starting line, good or bad, whatever it is. Is there anything from that upbringing that you learned or that you, that you particularly appreciate that applies to your ultra running? That's kind of a, a broad question, but I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, so I've had to be pretty flexible. I, when I was younger, I had to be like rather flexible with things. Like I, I didn't grow up in the same mm. town. I, I lived in, by, yeah. by the time I was 18, I had lived in five countries you know, including the United States wow. full time. I had visited to, I, I think of the total right now is like, I, I visited something like 36 or 37 countries, you know, cause Europe's a pretty small <laughs> place. You can get to a lot of cool places yeah. in Europe. Um, wow. So like, you know, I understand that life is about change, you know? And like mm. when I'm, when I'm in an ultra, like I know that this moment that sucks right now in a minute, it may not suck again, you know, or it yeah. could be hours of sucking and then all of a sudden it gets better. And like, for me, it's about like, how do you kind of get to that next, that next phase of life, mm. whatever it happens to mm-hmm. be. And like, my life has gone through multiple, even post like graduating from high school. Like I've been through multiple yeah. phases of like who, you know, whatever Troy Meadows is and what Troy Meadows does, um, to get to this moment in time here where like, I'm a 43 yeah. year old man with a wife and a child, you know, like, Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's that, um, you know, I think one thing that I learned from this year's grindstone where we ran a tropical storm, I had a crazy yeah. low point and it was 20, it was like, t- uh, it was a marathon. It took me 12 hours to like, basically, you know, death march a marathon from mile 40 to mile <laughs> 70. I can't imagine. And yeah. when we get into this aid station, like my wife's there with my kid and I'm like, how long you been here? You know, cause I felt really bad because if she showed up when I told her to show up, she'd been there for like four hours in the pouring rain. And she's like, I got here 30 minutes ago. And I'm like, Oh man, you know me yeah. well, don't you? And she started laughing. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I sat down with my son on my knee and started feeding him pe- peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know, that they brought over from the aid yeah. station. He's like, give me some more, like doing the more thing. And we're like, yeah. we're like vibing for like 15, 20 minutes. And like, Oh, that's good. I'm just like, you know what? Like, this is great. This is amazing, you know? And, and, hmm. um, you know, I, I got up and, you know, I said my goodbyes. And when I left that aid station, I was like, I kind of told myself, I was like out loud yelling at myself, like, are you ready? Like, let's go. Like, yeah. are you ready? And then I proceeded hmm. to run like about as fast of a last 50 K as I ran the first 50 K. And it's like, <laughs> oh dang. and that's what I'm nice. trying to find again. You know, like I'm trying to figure yeah. out like, how do I stay in that moment? Because, you know, I should have ran that that 12 hour marathon should have been a seven hour effort. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, man, I love that 42, 43 year old, you know, as I've, I've as I've entered my forties, I'm now 41. You're kind of at this intersection of like, you know, society tells me that I should be slowing down and doing yeah. less. Yeah. Not tell, not telling me that I should be, but they're, you know, the prevailing narrative is your body is, is becoming less capable. And I'm only hearing from you that yours is becoming more capable. I'm in, I'm in better shape today at 43 than I was when I was 23, like bar none, like it. no questions asked yeah. because, of yeah. and it's, and like goes back to like, I just love, I love training. I love trying to get fit. I'm trying to like, I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do this in my, when I'm 60. So there's this, well, you got to put the work in, you know, and it's something that I'm yeah. willing to like, sac- I, I don't, I mean, I have a life, you know, don't get it twisted, but like, I don't care about going, you know, some of my friends were like, oh, we're going to get tickets to the sphere and go watch fish at the sphere. And I was on the, I was like, I want nothing to do with that. And they're just like, what, what's up? Yeah. And I'm like, I want to go to the woods with my son. Like that's my new yeah. like raging, you know, for me raging all night now is running an ultra, you know, like that's, <laughs> and I'm okay. I'm cool with that. Like, that's what I want to do Love now, it. you know? And it's like, yep. and, and that's just kind of, it's about, re- it's about reframing where you are at, at, at the different seasons of your life. And, you know, I've, I partied in my twenties hard enough for, for you and I both men into our fifties, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't really need that anymore. You know, I, I can, yeah. I can enjoy life. I can enjoy the simpler part of life, but like, I also really enjoy putting myself out there and doing hard things. And so, you know, yeah, yeah. man. Well, Troy, that's a, that's a perfect note to, to end on that. You know, the road goes on forever and the party never ends. Yes, sir. In Texas. That's our mantra. Um, Let's get a shout out to what you do with the Midpacker Pod and some clothes, some clothing that you've been putting out. How about we we wrap with you just telling us a little bit about what you do in the in the ultra running world? Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay. Like I just started a coaching service. So if if oh nice if, yeah, I just got my coaching cert. So you know if anyone wants Great. to if anyone wants wants help on their ultra journey and wants the perspective from a solid middle of the packer, I I have a sixty yeah. percent. I, I, I land in the 60% on ultra sign up. You know, you're, you're not going to get, uh, you're not going to get any, um, advice from a pro here. You're going to get advice from someone who's just been grinding away for the last decade. Um, nice. I, you know, I do the pod mid, the mid, the mid packer pod, you know, you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you know, if you do, if, if you're interested in coaching services, uh, my handle on Instagram is Troy on the run. Um, and then there's also, the yeah, and I'll put pod. that in the show notes yeah, for sure. You can, you yep. can just DM me there. Um, Run Trail Life, that's kind of a brand I've been working on for about a year, trying to put some more work into it this year. Um, but we do some just fun ultra running specific apparel. It's all sustainable. Yeah. It's like oh, either recycled uh, c- recycled cotton and recycled um, polyester blanks or 100% cotton, uh, organic cotton blanks. Uh, and it's just fun tongue in cheek mm. stuff. It's It's meant to be the shirt you go to when you finish your long run and you're about to go meet people for coffee, nice. you know, like something like soft and, and comfy that you can put on that, that kind of represents, allows you to represent your love of the trails off the trails. Um, and then nice. we donate, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly promo that too. Yeah. And we donate to runners for public lands. So like if you buy oh. every time you buy a, a, a piece, any piece, uh, $1 goes to runners for public lands. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I think I got all, I think I got all the things. (laughs) Nice. Well, we'll make sure and drop all that in the show notes and, and publicize it when we drop these clips. And, um, Troy, I just, I really grateful. Learned some cool stuff today. I love, I love hearing about your international upbringing. I love how you tie it to your ultra running. Uh, and thanks for sharing your story with me today. Josh, man, appreciate you for having me on brother. Thank you.
Welcome to the world.